Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Right here, right now, in studio with co-host Adam Kong. We are co-hosting. Host coasting. Coasting? No, man. We brought our A game today. <laughs> we did, We're man. We're coasting through this. Dude, great to see you. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? You, you just came back from a, a glorious trip out east. I'm done. I'm completely done, bro. It exhausted you? Um, yeah. So, so let me just say this is I am, I am done. What does that mean? Okay, so... <laughs> People say that a lot. I don't know what no. it means. <laughs> Look, literally, man. Look, and I had a great time in South Carolina. I went to the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Yeah. And um, spoke out there for two nights and then did some, some work and some consulting with the campus ministry there. Anyway, uh, my flights there were horrific. <gasps> uh, we flew through storms. Like, the storms were so bad that they didn't even let the flight attendant up. That's when you know it's serious. And when I landed in Atlanta to connect for the next flight, which was going to fly through the storm again, I literally almost just said, I'm renting a car and driving home. I was done. I was so toasted. Well, you've flown a lot. I have. and I think you're you're hitting your... I'm done phase. With I, that. I, yeah. Now, when I got there, it was great and it was fine. I had a wonderful time. Uh, but you ever have those moments where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, yes. I was completely. There were times on the plane where I was getting anxiety and I literally just had to pray the whole time. Like, yeah. Lord, like, just take away this anxiety. I, I really don't feel like falling out of the sky <laughs> in a big metal tube. And your mind's going through all the scenarios, right? Like, Yes. This will happen. What am I going to do? And this will happen. And then. Yes. That's bad. All those things. All those things. So I, I don't know. It was it was crazy. Yeah. It, literally like bouncing. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Anyway, so it's kind of crazy. But I, I've been um, I've been really interested. And I know you you've kind of heard uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on. Yes. I don't know why this is a new thing. Like people are already. It's like the new Macarena. It's conspiracy theories. Yeah, like it's everybody's all do. of a sudden talking about conspiracy theories. Like, yep. like did we actually go to the moon? Yeah. Now that one's been around, but you're, people are getting interested again. Right. They're re-interested in it. It's always been a conspiracy theory. Like, is Elvis actually dead? All right. So, quick theory about this: Elvis or the moon? <laughs> Neither. About conspiracy theories. Okay. We put so much energy into last year's election right. as a people to focus and obsess on something. Right. We trained ourselves to just obsess. Right. But then now it's like, okay, he's the president, and what do we obsess about? So we pick different things, but right. I think we got to the point where like we're looking for stuff to obsess about. Yeah. And instead of getting back to our normal lives, let's just make stuff up. <laughs> you know? Yes. I just find it interesting that all of a sudden people are interested in whether or not we walked on the moon, which is fine. Like, you can get into conspiracy theories, and I'm sure there are a lot out there, like UFOs. Are there UFOs out there? Uh, you know, is there alien activity out there? Uh, did we go on the moon? Did Elvis die? Uh, but it's it's almost like just getting lost in, like, video games or Netflix for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot more important things to be worrying about right now, or... To be caring about, I guess let's just say, not worrying, but caring about right yeah. now. And I just think it's funny that like so much chatter on social media or on the news is about these conspiracy theories, which in part are kind of fun, some of them. Yeah. And then but it's really just a distraction. Yeah, well I love I'd love to get your take on this because it seems like there's a 
a virtue in us that would keep a balance in all these things that some even good Catholics struggle in because even within the church we we create conspiracy theories yes right yes all the behind the scenes intrigue and whatever and we just right. get really invested in these things right but there seems to be some kind of like healthy virtue uh that would keep us in balance no absolutely so do you want to do a underrated overrated all right let's do an underrated overrated number one rap music rap music it's uh i mean my opinion that's why we're here okay uh non-explicit like 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 you know decent decent rap music yeah it's completely underrated is that right oh dude all day long all day yeah i grew up in the 80s man <laughs> like, okay seriously yeah it, rap, rap music is like in my blood in your blood that's yeah. awesome do you have favorites i, can, I can't really s go through them all but <laughs> it's underrated <laughs> all right well since we got a music thing going yeah number two country music that's underrated. Really? But you're going to find from me, I'm a fan of pretty much all music. Is that right? Yeah. If it's good, I like it. If it's not good, I don't. So I don't get caught up in genres. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, some people stick to genres and then like outside of that genre, they just have a heart attack. Uh, I cross over genres and if it's a good song, it's good music, I appreciate it. I'm sort of like that with sports. Like I, I like certain sports, but like I never played tennis. But if you watch like someone who's like a Hall of Fame tennis player, like they're just a master at what they do, I can actually watch that person play mm -hmm. and be intrigued and really appreciate their gift. But is there a limit to this? For example, yes, curling, curling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, there's certain things. It's like, does that really take talent, or you just <laughs> you just had to show up a lot of days to practice? So there's a difference between talent and just obsessive compulsive behavior. Yeah, there's a difference between actual like talent where it's like a gift, like you're like that person can do something that a lot of people could never do, mm -hmm. you know, and I appreciate that and I can watch that. Right on. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, long beards. This well, is a very popular thing amongst mm -hmm. the hipsters of our generation. Yeah. The long beard. They're overrated. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now you're talking to someone who's clean shaven and that doesn't grow a beard. I am clean shaven. Full disclosure. We're both are. Yeah. But you've had a beard before, not a long one, but you go scruffy I've tried it. a yeah. lot more than I do. I'm I'm a I'm I shave. Uh, I just feel better. And, and I'm not against beards. I think they sort of do look, you know, kind of cool. Uh, but the long beards, like it's like a squirrel lives in there, or. <laughs> It's like you could just pull out a pork chop at dinner time. It's like, oh yeah, I already have have dinner in here, and it just seems okay. So a lot of really, Catholic men really might disagree with you at this point. I just want to get. I want to hear. I want to hear why. And one is like, okay, we need to reclaim masculinity in the culture. Yeah. So it's kind of a good thing to to promote those things that seem masculine. Yes. What do you think? I think anything that we do on the outside that doesn't reflect on the inside makes no sense. So if you're going to try to project being masculine on the outside, but avoid the inside change that you need to make, then it makes no sense. Mm. The two have to go hand in hand. So if the beard reflects the heart, go for it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. If your heart is bearded? If your heart is bearded, <laughs> grow it. But if the beard is to kind of kind of draw this sort of boundary of like, oh, I'm a man, but I don't really feel like one. Mm. Or I don't really act like one. I haven't changed into being, you know, fully 
alive in my manhood, then it, I think it's just a mask. You sound just like your patron, right? Who talked about circumcision like this. He was like, look, circumcision, uncircumcision, whatever. And he literally said, if your heart is circumcised. Yeah. So you, I mean, you just. St. Paul. You pulled a St. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, he's my, he's my dude, man. <laughs> he's my dude. So anyway, back to conspiracy theories. Though. <laughs> here's, here, and here's the tie-in, Adam. Like, honestly. Let's tie it. Um, you know, as long as I've been alive and through my conversion and, and studies, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of even conspiracies about faith and religion mm-hmm. and about, about Jesus. Yeah. And here, here's what I love about studying the historical Jesus, studying our faith historically. Uh, we believe in faith and reason, and reason tells us that Jesus was real, he's alive, he walked the earth. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, you know, either either everything that Jesus proclaimed was either completely fake or completely true. There's nothing in the middle, right? right? But to take that a step further is when you research historically, not only through Scripture but through history, uh, there there is no conspiracy theory around was Jesus real or not real. Mm-hmm. That's where faith comes in. Was he God or was he not God? Mm-hmm. But he was here. He walked yeah. the earth. He was crucified. He died. And, you know, reason tells us that. And so we don't have to wonder uh, and and come up with conspiracies around our faith as a Christian. We can stand on solid ground that it's real. Yeah, I'm sure you had this experience a few times working with young people like I have, but there's nothing more frustrating than spending hours and weeks and months with teenagers and young adults, mm-hmm. or anybody, right. to tell them about God's love for them, to tell them about how it all makes sense. And then they watch something on the History Channel, or they hear some idea, and they're like, well, you know, the early church didn't whatever. And then they, they're much, we're much more ready to believe, sometimes, people with silly claims that Jesus is not God based on crazy conspiracy yeah. theories than the church herself, who's been around for 2,000 years. Yeah, 2,000 years of, of research. Yeah. Uh, that's not, they're not hiding anything. You know, they don't have right. anything to hide. If anything, the research uh, is, is to let us know even more about, about our faith and about Christ. And it's so interesting to me because so, so much of the words that Jesus said 2,000 years ago are so true today, obviously. He's blessed mm-hmm. are those who have never seen and still believe. And we live in a culture today that we want to see everything. We want to we want to know by seeing, and he's saying, there's some things that you might never see, but faith will tell you it's real. And luckily for us as Catholics, we don't have to rely on faith alone. It's faith mm-hmm. and reason, the ability to, to, to bring it all together to make a well-informed decision about what we believe. Right on. So there's no conspiracy theory, bro. No. Here we do. We stand strong on our faith. So anyway, great show today. I'm excited about it. Welcome our guests, Brad Hahn, in just a moment. We'll be right back. Paul George Show with Adam Conk. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org.
Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to have on our guest, Brad Hahn, Solidarity Health Share. How you doing today, Brad? Yeah, doing great. Can you hear me okay? Yep, absolutely. Okay, good. Um, okay, I'm going to reintroduce you here. Uh, just okay, of the I can music. hear you now. Okay. Brad, hi. Make sure we didn't have a connection. Yep, yep. Make sure we didn't have a connection problem. All right. Brad, how you doing today? Doing great. Thank you, Paul. Awesome. Talking to Brad Hahn, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Brad, like, seriously, when I am reading the news, um, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm an up-to-date news guy, like, you know, if, if, if papers were still in circulation, which, you know, I know you can get the paper, but if it was like your main source of getting the news, I'm like the paper guy. Like, I would get two or three papers. I'd read the news every day, sit down, drink some coffee. And so every day I'm logging on, I, I get all my news mostly online, just reading about the world and whatever. And I'm super interested in healthcare and people and life and death. Um, I, and I'm, I, my head is spinning around all the changes going on with healthcare. Uh, and I know you're on the cutting edge. Talk to me. What's what's happening? Where are we? Yeah, we're we haven't um, we haven't advanced very far from the, on the conversation, you know, and we, we've been talking about this for the last, you know, four or five months, the conversation hasn't been advanced very far. And I think finding out some of the truth is coming out about healthcare reform and what truly, what the Affordable Care Act was about. And it's coming from President Trump. You know, President Trump basically called the Affordable Care Act, you know, a subsidy or a bailout or a handout to an insurance companies. You know, and that's what I've been seeing. And, you know, every American who has a job in the United States right now is paying 0.9% more in the Medicare tax, that money is going directly to fund the Affordable Care Act. And in turn, the federal government is giving that money over to, uh, to the insurance companies to, to subsidize um, health care uh, premiums, that, the rise that we're seeing. But what's alarming to me, and, and President Trump's been talking about this a lot too lately, is um, insurance companies, especially health insurance companies, their, their incomes, their profits are up tremendously over the last couple of years since the Affordable Care Act was enacted. So I look at it as this was just a big, huge tax push, the Affordable Care Act was, to take money from the middle class and turn it over to the insurance companies. That's what I've been, that's what I've been seeing, kind of the big picture, what's happening here. So the financial is one side of things, um, and, and I'll get into that, that little bit more detail, but the other side, too, is our, our conscience violations. Yes. You know, they're, they're, that, that, to me, that's so alarming that... The Affordable Care Act is forcing us as individuals, you know, to participate in a system that, that funds abortion, contraception, abortifacient-inducing drugs, gender reassignment surgeries and such. And to me, as a faithful Catholic, where I try to be as faithful Catholic as I can, you know, I cannot participate in a system like that because I want to stand before St. Peter and say, I've been, I attempted to be faithful to God in area, every area of my life including how I paid for my medical care for my family. Right. I tried my best not to materially or formally cooperate in evil. Now, open enrollment uh, is up again, and the cost uh, is going up. Uh, what's, what's the latest with that? Yeah, I, the latest I've seen is, uh, and the numbers aren't officially out for all 50 states yet, but the Wall Street Journal talked about this yesterday. You're talking about being a newspaper junkie. That's the only newspaper I get that's delivered every morning to the Wall Street Journal because we stay up to date on a lot of great issues there. 
So I love getting in front and smelling that newspaper ink every yep. morning. That's yep. why I don't like getting news online. So I, I know, know you could relate to that. I, I miss that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. And so it, uh, it's, uh, what, what's happened, they're estimating about a 35% increase in insurance premiums uh, over the, in this next year. And so to me, that, that's astonishing. Uh, because the Affordable Care Act, and I, I start to call it now the, the not-so-affordable care act, because of what it's doing. And so all this money that's going from the middle class to that 0.9% you know, increase in income tax withholding, and then all the other taxes associated with Affordable Care Act, going to the insurance companies, they're making profits, the premiums are increasing. Now the typical middle class person cannot afford health insurance in this country. And I'll give you an example. In 2014, um, there's a fine that, that was levied. $3 billion worth of fines were levied on the Affordable Care Act to individuals that could not afford health care, and they, and they just decided not to purchase it. 92% of that, the, the people that paid that fine had incomes of $75,000 or less. You know, and so to me is that $3 billion, you know, 92% of it, was sucked out of the middle, lower, middle class to lower middle class and given to the federal government, which in turn was given to insurance companies. And to me, it's unconscionable that the federal government's involved in a system where they're saying, okay, individuals, especially the middle class, you must buy for health insurance, even though you can't afford it because it's, it's, the prices are out of control. And if you can't afford it, then we're going to fine you. And this year, the fine is going to be as high as 2.5% of your adjusted gross income. Really? So that could get pretty co- that could be pretty costly for a, for a family who's filing income tax returns next year. And the other disappointing thing to me is... Um, you know, when Trump signed that executive order, I think it was January 20th this year, he said, I'm giving all of my health and human services, IRS, Department of Treasury, giving them power to, to, to not enforce certain provisions of the Affordable Care Act that impact the middle class or the poor. And that hasn't happened because the IRS just announced 10 days ago, 11 days ago now, that they said, uh, we will not accept a 1040 that's filed, our income tax return that's filed, unless you disclose whether you have health insurance coverage or not. So they're actually rejecting these tax returns unless you disclose to the federal government whether you have, have health insurance or not, because they want to enforce the, the individual mandate, which enforces the fine. That's so interesting. All right, so true or false, real quick, uh, we are all um, required to have health, health insurance. Uh, correct. Okay, That's and, true. and then if we don't, true or false, if we don't have it, uh, we are fined. And unless you meet, that's true, unless you meet one of the exemptions. And so there's basically a few exemptions. One, if you're in prison, okay, um, you don't have to pay the fine. So that, that's, that's an out, but that's really not a valid, valuable option for <laughs> right. a lot of us. Right, <laughs> the, hopefully not. The other, <laughs> another, yeah, another well, maybe as Catholics, we'll, we're all, we all may end up there soon and we'll have to be subject to the fine. <laughs> right, yeah. But, the, but I, I have confidence they're going to start with the bishops and the cardinals first before they go after you, you, you and me, Paul. Right. So, uh, it's, yeah, so uh, that's another whole story in itself. Um, but the other huge exemption that's out there right now is for members of medical cost-sharing ministries that are recognized by the Center for Medicare Services, just like Solidarity members are recognized. And so that's a way to opt out of that individual mandate fine, number one. But number two is to guarantee that you don't have to buy, you don't have to pay for things that violate people's consciences. Okay, so, so that was, I the, should say, that was the, uh, the question I was going to ask you next is the solidarity health share, these health sharing, does that count as 
healthcare and exempt you from fines? Y- yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, and so that's what's uh, that's what's great about this, and that's what that's what we're fighting for in, in Washington D.C. right now is to make sure. And here's how my conversations go. And sometimes I have a problem of being too blunt, Paul. Is I met with some congressmen and some key staff members, even the key person who drafted the Graham-Cassidy bill, a former senator, and I looked at him, I said, this is unconscionable to me that I am coming to my legislatures here in Washington, D.C. I had to get on a plane, you know, and fly over here to D.C. to beg you to protect my religious liberty and my conscience rights. That's guaranteed by me by the Declaration of Independence in the United States or U.S. Constitution. I'm here begging for this. I said, I should have to be here. This should, we should already be protected. Why are these um, unconscionable conscience issues even up for debate right now? I said, they shouldn't be. They should, they should even be on the table for discussion. And they kind of looked at me like I was from Mars. And I said, you need to be protecting us Christians that don't want to fund and violate our conscience. You need to go back and read the Federalist Papers. You know, when James Madison is talking about our most precious gift, our most precious property is our conscience. You know, and that, that's what we're trying to, um, trying to convey to, uh, to the congressmen and health and human services that we're dealing with. Yeah, and here's the main issue, and I'm sure that, you know, you're fighting tooth and nail for this, and you're on the front lines for this. But the biggest issue that I have with healthcare is that, uh, you, you know, there's a moral dilemma for me as a Christian, as a Catholic. And this is what you guys are trying to, to do with Solidarity HealthShare is— helping people understand, you know, what's our moral conscience as Catholics and then allowing people to have health insurance or health care uh, without crossing those boundaries. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the number one reason why people join Solidarity is for that conscience protection. They want to do what's right before the eyes of God. And that's what's so beautiful about this, Paul, is we're actually having people calling in and say, I don't even care what it costs. I'm joining Solidarity because if, even if it costs more than I'm per- currently paying for insurance, I'm signing up for Solidarity because I don't want to be forced to violate my conscience. Well, I think that's a pretty uh, bold statement, and for these people really need to back it up. But the blessing is, is that we're actually less expensive than, than traditional health insurance. You know, and that's most of the cases. I'll give you an example. My family, if you look at the rate increases, we would be paying $2,100 a month right now with an $8,000 deductible, and then an 80-20 once we hit our $8,000 deductible. How can we budget something like that? That's more than we're paying for our mortgage. And now we're paying, with solidarity, $449 a month with a $1,500 annual and shared amount, which is our money we come up with out of pocket before eligible medical expenses are shared among the community. So to me, um, the people are signing up for conscience, but they're really buying into that we have a better uh, alternative on the payer system. Because um, I'll be talking at the Catholic Bar Association in Kansas City next week about this, and the Catholic Medical Association you know, touches on this a lot, too, is whoever controls the payer system for insurance in this country controls the morals and the ethics. And so if you look at it, who's controlling the payer system right now? The federal government, the state government, and big insurance companies. They're controlling all the morals and the ethics. And they're violating church teaching you know, from abortion to contraception to embryonic stem cell, you know, treatments and such like that, you know, and all this stuff is just so unconscious. It's time for us as Catholics now to step up. And that's what us laity need to do and form a community like Solidarity to reclaim an authentic Catholic 
healthcare system in this country and control the payer system. Yeah. That's what we're ultimately about here. Yeah. How can we control the payer system that's fair to the, to, to the provider? But also another you know, tangential issue to his Paul, is this, is um, what happens to those Catholic providers that are being forced to violate their conscience? You want to take Medicare? You want to take Medicaid? You're going to have to do abortions. You know, they're constantly being pressured like that from the governments and from insurance companies. We need, have, we need to continue to fight as a church and as a lay people in the public sphere, legislatively, and also judiciously, you know, through the judicial system. But we don't have to participate in this system because we have an out now with Solidarity HealthShare. Yep. Talking to Brad Hahn, Phoenix, Arizona, SolidarityHealthShare.org. So would you say there's strength in numbers, in a sense, Brad, the more people that uh, came together, more Christians, Catholics came together and got on board with with uh, solidarity uh, and and uh, and other things like this, that that there would be a shift in 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 things culturally or with with the healthcare system. Like if we we can really, like you said, like like follow the money trail, and that's who's making the decisions. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Paul. And and I look at it just like when Saint Francis of Assisi and a lot of the other great saints in the church really talk about. If we're going to attack a culture that we're seeing right now, a pro-death culture, pro-euthanasia, pro-abortion culture in the society right now in the United States, not only do we have it here, but we're also exporting it you know, through, our, through our foreign policy, where do we start? We have to start with ourselves. So we need a constant renewal of ourselves to be more grounded in the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Church. How do we reform ourselves daily, ourselves the best Christian we can in the eyes of God? Yeah. Then only then can we go out and, and help others to bring the joy of Jesus Christ to others. Yeah. And that's what we're going to. That's our goal at Solidarity HealthShare is healthcare and the delivery of healthcare and the payment of healthcare impacts every single soul in the United States. Yeah. So what a perfect opportunity to go and show them the joy and the love of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the morals and ethics of healthcare to these people because they're going to be an impact every day and at the most vulnerable part of their lives. You know, because a lot of times people in middle class cannot afford uh, for, for uh, somebody to go to one of their family members to go to the hospital because they can't afford it. Yep. There's an article now that, you know, some people from the Las Vegas shooting, you know, they can't afford their medical bills. You know, it's because things are getting out of control because they don't have control of the payer system. That's right. And I can talk about how we're, how we're attacking the payer system right now, and we're getting amazing results, and Health Human Services is actually, actually recognizing us now as a great alternative to how to fix the payer system in this country. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest misconception from someone on the outside that doesn't know about solidarity or the health sharing system? What would you say is just their biggest misconception about it? A lot of times they have, a lot of people have very negative experiences dealing with ministries, you know, and that's, that's kind of one of the hurdles we have to get over. And that's what's nice about Solidarity is we're a national not-for-profit ministry, you know, and we are, have to be faithful to the teaching of the Church. That's what we're striving to do. But we're also held accountable to the IRS, to the State Attorney General's Office, to Health and Human Services under the Center for Medicare Services. So we have, we're trying to have full transparency and accountability. That's kind of the, the main issue here we're, we're talking about. And the second issue that usually comes up is, how can this work? How can you go, how can Brad, how can you can go from $2,100 for your family per month to $449 family per month? And I just basically challenge it back is because we don't pay the insurance game. And I'll give you an example. You remember the days, Paul, too, is when um, 
when the Pentagon was $12,000 for a hammer and all that kind of stuff. You remember mm-hmm. those days in mm-hmm. the 80s with Reagan? That's what's happening in our medical system right now because the payer, the consumer, is, is totally withdrawn from that, from that process. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a fam- uh, family member, and a loved one here in at Solidarity, had a heart attack. Thanks be to God, they're doing well today. The bill that was submitted to him was $174,000 for, for about almost two days at the hospital. The bill then was in turn put to Solidarity, a sophisticated process where we go through and analyze every single item on that bill to make sure it's fair and reasonable uh, as pursuant to guidelines from Medicare, from Medicaid, and from cash paying uh, clients. So we can actually go through and counter and have a great argument for a counter uh, offer. We offered them $17,000 to settle that $174,000 bill at the hospital. Man. They accepted it. Praise yeah, God. And it's because, yeah, but that's, that's, why, that's why we can make this thing so effective because we're penetrating the, that third-party payer system, and, and not only on the conscious issues, but also on how we pay for things. And that's another thing, too, is um, I was uh, talking to a good friend yesterday from Cleveland, and she says, well, Brad, that doesn't surprise me that you're getting those kinds of discounts. And I was like, what? I said, I said Molly, we're, we're doing something that no one else is doing in the country, getting these kind of discounts for our members. He says, Brad, look at what Solidarity does. They're following godly principles. They're following the teaching of the church, especially on social teaching, subsidiarity, solidarity, the common good, preferential treatment for the poor, the dignity of life. You guys are following everything that God tells you to do. He's going he's to reward your faithfulness. And that's why I don't think we should be shocked anymore how we can be a better alternative from insurance, because we're being faithful to Jesus Christ, the teaching of this church, and we're, we're delivering a better service, and God's going to reward us. We're trying to follow God in all, in all things in our lives. Amen. And that's exactly what we're trying to promote here on the show, is people living authentic Christian lives in line with the church, in line with the conscience that God has put inside of them. Brad, I can't thank you enough just for informing <laughs> my mind today with this. Uh, Brad Hahn, Solidarity HealthShare. Uh, you can visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. Brad, thanks so much for taking the time today. Oh, thank you for having me, Paul. And I'll pray for your meetings in Washington, D.C., man. Go to battle for us. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely... Uh, Don't get arrested. Uh, if you read, <laughs> yeah, if you read uh, Shapoon's latest book... Strangers in a Strange Land. No, I need to get it. I need to get it. Yeah, I just finished it, but it was uh, it, it was pretty powerful. You know, um, some of the quotes that are in there that he he's such a smart man, um, Shapu. Yes, and he, he does uh, just amazing things. But one of the things he talked about in there too is one uh, uh, of it was Augustine's one of Augustine's favorite sayings. And let me pull it up here for you real quick. Um, yeah, he's... Augustine is often quoted. He's saying, I'm sorry, he says that hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see what they do, that they do not remain the way they are. Hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just love that. Amen to that. Well, Brad, thanks so much. Yeah. And we're going to have you back on again soon. All right, sir. Have uh, a blessed weekend. All right. God bless. Bye. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs 
while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Paul George, Adam Conk, right here, right now. I love that music. You hear that? I do. I tell you what, that interview with Brad Hahn, man, he was fired up today. I've never heard Brad so fired up. You know, I uh, I think people who are doing important things, and I think <laughs> he's one of them, and I feel like I'm not doing anything to really, like, <laughs> What are you doing, Paul? <laughs> fight the cultural <laughs> war and battle, you know? I'm like, You're doing plenty, Paul. You're doing plenty. He's, he's like, on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Doing stuff. He's got the big boy pants on. Speaking of conspiracy theories, like... <laughs> You imagine the conspiracy theories on Capitol Hill? Well, I think they're more than theories. There are theories, but I bet they're like actual conspiracies. Yes. <laughs> I would say a lot of the theories or the conspiracies are probably based on some type of truth or rumor. Yeah. It's a messed up place, man. Yeah. So yeah. You got to have your big boy pants if you show up, and Brad's got them. Very good interview. Good guy. Yes. Yes. So anyway, um, how about that? You want to do a six-pack? <laughs> Why not? Question. That's like the best intro to six pack of questions. So you can ever. have actually a six pack of beer. Oh boy, we're getting we're going there. We are we are right now. No conspiracy around this theory. <laughs> well, I've never. I mean, I'm not gonna drink six beers. But if you but you're gonna buy a six pack. Yeah. Okay, but not drink at once. Yeah. Okay. Which kind would you buy? What would be your go-to? Can I give you the real answer? Yeah. It's a variety pack. See, that? I knew, I knew you would say that. Because you know me. You, you, yeah. I knew you would just... It's a variety pack you of would, local brews. Local, okay. Because they make them. They sell them at the store. It was brewed in Louisiana, but here's like six different ones. So you a local brew guy. I do like local brew. I like to yeah. support my brewers. Now you can go you can go into the store and you can pick one from each and make a little a little six pack. Right. But if I had to pick um it would be the Ragin Cajun brew. Okay. Cuz it's it's really refreshing. It's really raging. It's made from rice. Really? Yeah. How about that? All you gluten-free freaks out there. <laughs> Seriously. So Drink is it that. is it actually a gluten-free beer? Yeah. Just cuz it's from rice. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's less calories. No, it doesn't mean that. Right. And it's tasty. It really is. So anyway, that... You, so yes, you start, we started the six-pack with you asking me a question. That's true. That you, is wild. You are a raging cage. All right, so here's question number one for you, sir. Okay. So you started the interview, you and Brad, by revealing your age, talking about how much you love newspapers and paper. Yeah. All right, which is cool. I love it. So my question for you is, did you have a favorite newspaper slash magazine back in the world where you grabbed magazines uh, growing up? Um magazine favorite growing up was sports illustrated just Mm because i I was interested in that as a kid uh paper i always liked reading the local paper actually like the city paper and i would take out the sports first i would read that (laughs) and then i would read the front page news i would do the news and then i would read one comic not the whole comic page but i'd read one i forget which one I, i think it was garfield Mm. I love the Garfield comic strip. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. 
Do you want to know the day that I committed to not reading newspapers when? and just going online? Was when I sat down to read one, really for the first time with my dad, because I, I didn't care about the news, and I couldn't figure out where the articles went off to. Like, you start reading one, it's like, oh. continue on page 35B, section 8. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Question number two. So if you were going to go lobby in Washington. Lobby. You're going to lobby for something. Lobby. Other than healthcare, because that's it too easy It took me a long to time to figure out that word lobby. Lobby, Because it's yeah. got different terms. Sometimes it's a hobby. Right. Hobby lobby. Um, if you were going to go lobby for something in Washington other than healthcare, because that's too easy, what would it be? That's too easy. Well, we just talked about it. So it's something we didn't just talk about. You're going champion. If I'm going all the way. Mm-hmm. If I'm going all the way. Yeah. To lobby, yeah, it's gonna be. It's literally like if I'm going <laughs> all the way over there, yep, on a plane. That's the context. Flying through weather, <laughs> and I'm gonna make the track. I, I am going to Capitol Hill to talk about human rights. All right, like I'm. I'm literally gonna talk about the dignity of the human person, mm -hmm. from conception to natural death. From for all races, all peoples, I believe in equal rights and equality, and I believe that everyone has the right. So I, that's what I would. That's what I'd fight for. I'd fight for it. Right like on. That that literally. Great. I think it's a great Catholic answer. Mm -hmm. That's where we should be. Yeah. All right. Question number three. So it seems like we've been waiting for a while now for the government to get its act together, and like we elect a candidate, and we hope, oh, this will change, or we do that, whatever. Um, will that ever happen? Is that a realistic expectation that the government will get its act together? I don't I have no idea. Um, I just know as a, as a Catholic Christian, yeah, we're supposed to fight for rights. And you hear that with Brad and you ask that question, like what will we passionately fight for? And we should all passionately be fighting for, for, for things that make our world better, particularly, obviously, our faith. And, and that's what I get to. I think at the end of the day, any any government or politician is going to fall short of of what we really want in our life, and and this is the answer to our question that we're looking for is to be fulfilled. Christ can fulfill that. God can fulfill that. And there are people in the world who live in way worse countries under way worse governments than we do, and probably complain a lot less. And yet, in their circumstance. What they need and what they find is, you know, sort of the answer to their question is faith. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we need to fight and, and we need to elect, we need to do all those things. But what we need more than any of that is we need Jesus. Mm. Amen. All right, question number four. So Brad was just fired up today. Fired up. Fired up. So you're a person who fires up people on a regular basis. But my question is when you're, when you're in the presence of someone who's in that zone— that like I'm hitting it right now and I'm fired up zone. What does that do to you as you listen to that type of person? It's like um, it stokes the fire, man. It's like someone who's like wafting this little spark in a in a fire pit, you know. And the fire's not going; it's just a little spark. That person's just wafting, and all of a sudden, smoke starts coming, and then a fire poofs out and starts burning the leaves, and then all of a sudden, you have a fire. Like that's the way I feel that's when I'm around on, you know? people like that. And, you know, I was meeting with this, this young adult uh, the other day, and uh, he, f he, he was struggling with depression. He was living back at home. He was playing video games all day, didn't, couldn't find a job. And my encouragement was, for him was to take some steps 
certainly to find a job and, and to move out of home and to move in with, with like friends. And he's doing so much better. Why? Because he's around people who are moving forward in their life and it's affecting him in a positive way. So he's waking up every day. He's positive. He's going to work. He's around people who are doing things. We, we need people to, and we need to not be isolated in our life. We need people to stoke that fire in us. Cool. So, so that's why you do this show. Yeah, to be around you. Well, I was talking about the great guests. Right. They fire me up. All right, question number five. What would you say to someone who said the church should not get involved in healthcare, politics, whatever? Like, just just preach the Bible, and that's enough, and let it, all that other stuff will sort, it, sort itself out. What would you say to somebody? Because a lot of people think that way. Well, I would tell them to read the Bible. Straight up. I would tell them to read the Bible. And... Um, you know, tell me where it says that Jesus said, you know, only talk about this in certain situations, mm. certain settings. I mean, I, I just don't. For us as Catholics, for us as Christians, it comes down to this. If you're truly practicing living your faith in a relationship with Christ, you can't separate it from anything else. It's mm. part of who you are and everything that you do in the workplace, in the school place, on the playground. Uh, in in politics and go it 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 it's part of your DNA, so you can't hide it. So there is no separation of our faith and our actions; they go together. Awesome. All right. Question number six: the finale. So a lot of people in our life, in their life, in their family life, kind of just react to big, maybe financial or healthcare decisions, and just kind of do what other people do. And it does, it's often not a lot of planning. You're just kind of going from one day to the next. You make this decision because you have to. Um, so what's your top do and don't for a family to start making healthcare decisions and other decisions like that according to a Catholic conscience and kind of get out of that reaction mode of living but actually live as a Catholic in these ways? Uh, well, the top do would, or, or don't would don't assume that the coverage that you have or what – what your workplace provides is that your only option. Like don't assume that there aren't other options out there. Mm-hmm. And then my top do would be do some research because there, there's some really good things like Solidarity HealthShare that provide great coverage and protect us and the person morally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do research and let that be a part of your discernment and then don't be afraid to make a decision that's, that's really good for your family because there's other options out there. And I think a lot of times, at least for me, I just assume that the best and only option is the only option I have. I don't, I don't a lot of times say, well, what else is out there? What else could we be doing? Mm-hmm. And I need to be challenged on that. And I think a lot of times we, we all do. Cool. So anyway, great being with you today, man. Dude, your answers were great. You are not a conspiracy theory. <laughs> you are in the flesh. You are alive with your uh, Rage and Cajun beer. It's pretty good beer. That's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> So anyway, uh, I'm excited, man. Um, the show's out. We're doing some cool stuff. Uh, I got a book coming out. It's going to be on it's killer. pre-order soon, I think. I don't know. Rethink I don't know how happiness. all that works. It's called Rethink Happiness. It's a cool cover, too. Dare to embrace God and experience true joy. Yeah, you get to see the the little cover. People are going to be amazed that Paul George, a basketball player, cares about people's happiness <laughs> and desire to embrace God. <laughs> so you're going to be like, i got to buy this. Anyway, you can find all this information, <laughs> hopefully, I don't know, paulgeorge.la. 
you get all the shows. You can share it, um, pass it around on Twitter at Paul George II. And anyway, Adam, thanks for co-hosting the show today. It's awesome. Great being with you. You're welcome. All right. Talk to you guys next week. God bless. You.